1: Last night at the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, uh, as the girls dressed in Santa's hats and waving pom poms and the marching band from the high school and the dancing grannies and the uh, Roman Catholic children preach, uh, uh, marching in the street, uh, the Waukesha Extreme dance team, and on and on it goes, uh, suddenly a driver of a red Ford Escape uh, drives full speed through the crowd. So far, five are dead, 40 are injured, including 12 of them children. Now, the police have not identified the driver, but we do. Uh, there's an outlet that I was reading this morning, heavy.com. I've referenced them before, who has done some reporting. Now, the things they're reporting are not confirmed by police. They're not officially announced, but these are people who are watching. So there could be variations, but it looked like, looks like the driver was a Daryl Brooks. Uh, he is, uh, by the way, just got out of jail on a $1,000 bail just a few days ago for a felony case. He's 38 years old. Uh, passers-by are people who are observers are reporting. Now, again, the police are not saying this, but I'm telling you, people are saying this, that they, there were three people involved, two suspects they think are in custody and other ones being sought. Interestingly enough, of course, we talk about motive. In fact, I won't even get into that yet. I just wanted to give you that update. The parade said that it happened at, the police said that it happened at 439 yesterday. Waukesha, Wisconsin, of course, is, uh, we've talked about that county many, many times, It's uh, probably the most conservative county in Wisconsin. It's a beautiful place. I'm very well familiar with it. Jill and Stuart Briscoe started their American ministry in Waukesha, and they were very dear friends, built a huge church there. It's a strong base for Christians. It's a strong base for conservative political activists one of which is someone who's become a friend of the show, Terry Dietrich. He's the chairman of the Waukesha Republican Party. And he was there last night and joins us this morning. Terry, good morning, and thank you for joining us.
4: Good morning, Sandy.
1: All right, so just give us your story, Terry. You were there marching, I'm guessing, with the party leaders. I don't know. You tell me and, and what how, how it sort of developed from your perspective.
4: Yeah, after 58 years of a wonderful... Uh, incredibly festive, peaceful uh, experience uh, as a as a Christmas parade that folks from all over Waukesha County came to. Uh, you know, here we are in year 59, and we have a horrible incident like this. So we were marching uh, as the Republican Party of Waukesha County. We were in the uh, first third of the parade, so all was well, very festive, Tons and tons of kids lining the streets. This is probably about a mile long as far as the parade route is concerned. It was literally six deep from from kids in the front all the way through to the parents back on the sidewalks, uh, main, mainly just a basic downtown retail area. Um, and so things were wonderful uh, as usual. Uh, boy, floats from everywhere, uh, all different organizations, schools, schools. Uh, uh, high school bands, grade school bands, marching. Um, the Democratic Party of Waukesha County was also in the parade, just about, just in front of us, just to to be official about it. So we had our our team and our banner and uh, our float, Sparky, which is a, a, an elephant that's pulled that all the kids love, and everything was wonderful. We fortunately had finished the the uh, parade just. Oh, I would say. Uh, 300, 400 yards in front of the ultimate incident. So we were done, but then as a group uh, we disbanded and I was walking back to my car, uh, which was of course at the beginning of the parade route and happened to uh, take the side street to Main Street where the uh, the parade was going on. And just at that moment in a large intersection from Main Street with cross streets that were uh, all blocked off, this maniac came uh flying literally flying i can't imagine how fast but top speed uh straight down straight past me and into the uh portion of the parade in front of me so it was a horrific circumstance i uh, f- actually flew right into the uh the uh Waukesha south high school girls dance team and uh I, I can't even describe it but bottom line you'll probably see on the video it was a uh, Horrific circumstance, and he just kept going, so um, the circumstance was chaotic. Uh, many, many people jumped, uh, especially males, I would say, jumped uh, forward to try to stop him in any way and then um, and then, from that point, it was just a mass casualty scene of which case uh, you know everyone and anyone tried to help the circumstance. Police were on the scene in a, a moment's notice. Uh, quite a few uh, police uh, leaving their units and sprinting to the scene. Um, there were shots fired. I'm not sure of the exact circumstance, but uh, uh, the assailant, uh, I believe, got away, or at least some of the folks that were involved with this in the car, I'm, I'm thinking, got away. The car got away, <laughs> unbelievably, after plowing through people. So it was a uh, It was a very, very horrific circumstance in a peaceful community, uh, a God-fearing community that, uh, you know, is very diverse as far as, you know, very Hispanic community, um, African-American community, and of course, you know, Waukesha going back generations there, enjoying the same tradition that we'd had every year. Just an absolute tragedy, so... We're uh, we're staying close to the cuff here on making any comments, just because we want to allow law enforcement to do their job, and we're encouraging everyone in Waukesha to do the same. Um, you know, the banter on the Facebook pages and whatnot really should not should not be taking place. People should wait and see that law law enforcement does their job. They're doing a super job. Um, I'll tell you within literally within a minute to two minutes of standing there and trying to help uh, folks uh, during this tragedy. There must have been uh, multiple, multiple communities with their emergency vehicles on site. So the organization of the mass casualty circumstance there was outstanding by the sheriff, by the police, by the uh, EMTs, et cetera. So thank God we had them on site and whatnot. Thank God Waukesha never defunded any police because yeah, that really, w- the circumstance wow. would have been a heck of a lot worse. They did oh, you a know super what?
1: job. I did wonder about that. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I, I did wonder if you had, got, had been affected by the downsizing because you are in Wisconsin and you have such a liberal uh, governance in, in, uh, in yeah. your capital. Hey, uh, I, I In just, Waukesha
4: just, County, we're conservative, so we don't allow yeah. that to happen. We support <laughs> our badge. We support yeah. the badge big time.
1: Yeah. Well, thank God for that. And uh, let me just say that the shots, as I understand it this morning, the shots, the shot, it was a shot, single shot, as far as we know, as far as I'm reading, and they believe it was by a police officer. They found the uh, the, the bullet hole in the car, not in the car, that it, it hit the hit the glass, but it, it, there's no evidence that it hit anyone, but it did—it failed to stop the driver. Uh, and um, they do, they have identified, as I said, oh, no, like the police, again, Terry, I'm going to make, the, and this is me talking, not you uh Daryl yep. Brooks is a, evidently the name I've seen a picture of the house with a car parked in front of it and so they they know a lot more than they're saying um also I w- I found this interesting and I know you can't speculate about this I-, I can better than you and I will uh you know some were speculating maybe it was um it- maybe it was drugs who knows what causes people to do that but I I have to have to say I I felt like you know yesterday I'm going to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case uh, in the next segment uh, with our listeners, just so they know that. Uh, but I think it, um, um, uh, what am I, um, Kenosha was so quiet yesterday. There was supposed to be a big demonstration, and there really wasn't much. And uh, it just seemed to me, this, of course, you can be so wrong initially without all the facts, so I say that right up front. But it just, it just seemed to me that this was a great way to get revenge especially on a conser- the most conservative county in Wisconsin, sort of a payback. Uh, and, um, you know, the more I'm reading, these things dripping out makes make me wonder about that. A witness on the scene said that a local well-known Black Lives Matter activist, multiple, were there uh, afterwards, including one man who was prominently arrested uh, protesting the Rittenhouse trial and uh, that he showed up on the scene to survey the aftermath. So that's just a story, uh, meaning something or nothing. Uh, Terry, um have you thought about that? Are people talking about I guess what I'm asking for is any inside information that you have, what people are saying, yeah. what you know about the people that were killed or injured, anything you can tell us?
4: Well, you know, honestly, Sandy, right now we're we're dealing with the aftermath from a faithful standpoint from a concern standpoint from a standpoint of wanting to support, um, you know, all, all of the investigations and all of the assistance. I mean, there, there's a big blood drive going on this morning at Waukesha Memorial Hospital. There was an outreach for that. So frankly speaking, that's really what we're, we're focused on. It would lead any normal, normal person to deduce that there may be a connection here with what took place in Kenosha. I did talk to Congressman Style. Uh, whose district obviously is Kenosha he called to to uh connect with me and 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 get my thoughts and obviously wish us well since we were there um, and it, it was quiet in Kenosha, I think there was very good planning by law enforcement in Kenosha to show uh uh you know that there was going to be uh no tolerance of any, any kind of bad activity down there so but but obviously there could be a connection there um you know look as far as I 'm concerned. Waukesha, from a political standpoint, is definitely a target of, of you know, the Democrats and the, and the left as far as their interest in tipping us over as a, as a political, uh, you know, target uh, in the state. If Waukesha, obviously, with spring elections coming and then obviously next November... It's a political target. I I don't want to go any farther than that to say that they would condone or there were any uh, any individuals who were you know there specifically for for a, a violence type of a a target. But yeah, I'm sure those folks were there protesting. I actually saw them during along the parade route. There were obviously some people who did not agree with our political views while we walked the parade route and whatnot. So you know, there that's. I suppose that's kind of typical in a big, big parade like this. But you know, it it, it allows you to draw some conclusions out of uh, you know the fact that you know th- this is a very diverse area down in in downtown Waukesha, and you know there there may be some folks there with not the best intentions. But yeah. overall, it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful event that's that's that was very well organized, absolutely went off exactly on time. Everything was exactly as, as it's been in years past, so uh, we're, we're just trying to hold back and say our prayers. I mean, prayer is is the most important thing right now and needed by everybody in the country. So be, until we get the the real uh, you know clarity from the law enforcement, we just don't want to step into it. But let's let's hope that's not that was not the circumstance. Um, but you know, you could lead to some pretty ugly tra- uh, conclusions here, so we'll see what happens through the course of the day.
1: Yeah, Terry, that's a grace-filled response, not just a political one, because I know you, and uh, I, so I'll speculate for you, and I will after I let you go, but uh, it just, we only have 30 seconds left here. Do you know anything about any of the victims that you can say?
4: Um, We had a couple of members uh, of our county party whose uh, relatives, actually, there are a couple of granddaughters, um, one who was in the Waukesha South a dance team that was just in front which took the brunt of the, uh, mm. the initial blow by this this, this person. Um, so that was really bad. We're following them. Almost all of the, the the children were transported to our children's hospital which is in Milwaukee, quite a ways away, but obviously they were in such, such bad uh, condition that they had to go to a very specialized unit there. And okay. so there were, there were 15 plus there last night. We're just praying for them.
1: Yes. Well, we'll join you in praying for them. And I really appreciate you joining me on a tough morning. I know yeah, it is. and so We'll thank keep you posted, yes. Okay, bless. please do. God bless okay. you too. Terry Dietrich, Waukesha, Wisconsin.
5: In churches, in a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing.
0: In His Image,
5: with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit, and it's completely free, and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event.
0: To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie.
1: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
4: Today we pray for Sochiel Torres-Small, Under Secretary of Agriculture for Rural Development. She's the Principal Advisor to the Secretary of Agriculture. 1 Corinthians 15.58 reminds us of the importance of progress and growth in our communities. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear God, we ask you to guide Sochiel Torres Small as she works on behalf of rural development in this country. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Pause to pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org.
2: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting Go Visit to the number 49596. Again, that's Go Visit to the number 49596. An Illinois public school teacher decided it was time to speak out. The breaking point was critical race theory. Frank McCormick was a guest on my national talk show the other day. He says parents are being lied to, and he decided to put his career on the line by exposing the school district's radical agenda. He said there are still plenty of conservative teachers in the public school system, but many are afraid to speak out. He told of the day that teachers were ordered to remove controversial books from their classrooms. Administrators went door to door, demanding they turn over copies of Dr. Seuss books. In today's woke society, Green Eggs and Ham is treated like adult bookstore smut. We are going to defend Mr. McCormick should he lose his job, and you should too. The fight for the heart of our nation starts in the classroom. Christmas shopping now underway, and my new book makes a great stocking stuffer, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, available right now at toddstarns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook, or email Sandy
0: at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
6: First count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum, We, the jury, find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we, the jury, find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we, the jury, find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber. We, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty.
0: Members of the jury, are these your unanimous verdicts?
4: Is there anyone who does not agree with the verdicts as read?
1: All right, so that's the way it went down. If you missed that, you want to watch that. You want to find that clip and watch it, because the emotions of that moment were just amazing. As Kyle Rittenhouse, of course, the cameras were on his face uh, as he listened to the clerk read the the decision of the jury, and then he just uh, melted, just nearly collapsed. And then, of course, the, the judge had instructed people in the courtroom not to show any emotion, which is always, you know, He didn't want any cheering. He didn't want anyone saying anything. And I guess that's good. I suppose that's custom in a trial. But boy, Kyle was facing, you know, life imprisonment. uh, And he's only, what, just turned 17, just turned 18. Uh, So let me just kind of recap. We didn't get to talk about this too much uh, because it happened Friday afternoon. Uh, and by the way, uh, I want to thank uh, J. Christian Adams and Fred Jackson for filling in for me last week. And I'll just quickly say to you that I'm fine. I don't, I don't want you guys to worry about me. I just uh, needed a week because I was in uh, Virginia last week speaking for the Virginia Tea Party with them celebrating their great victory over the governor's race and all, you know, taking back their House of Delegates. Uh, and uh, just the combination of things made it, uh, I was exhausted. That's the truth. And I just had my family who'd been here with us for six months uh, leave. And so we had a lot of things going on. And so I needed it for my mental health, but everything's fine. And uh, I'm so grateful, so grateful to have these uh, really wonderful guys fill in for me who uh, I know do a wonderful job and you don't miss a beat. But I was off the air when this uh, acquittal came in. It was happened Friday afternoon anyway. And so I, I know that you've been following this. We have talked about this a lot, uh, but you know that he was accused of uh, killing Anthony Huber, and also um, Gross, uh, Gage Grosskoitz, uh was shot but not killed. And then um, Rosenbaum was the first one who he shot. It's really an incredible story, and we've been telling you all along that there was tons of video showing uh, that he was fighting for his life in self-defense. He was running. They were chasing him. Rosenbaum, who's a convicted, and I don't mean convicted uh child rapist. I don't mean like a, an 18-year-old uh, boy raped his, or had sex with his 17-year-old girlfriend. We're talking about multiple counts of raping little boys. Horrible, horrible. So that's the person that was chasing him, that tried to grab his gun, and he ends up uh, shooting and killing him. Then coming after him was Anthony Huber, 26, with his uh, skateboard, who hit Kyle in the back of the head twice. And uh, that's the second person that Kyle shot, uh, and then the third person was Gage Grosskreutz, who on the stand admitted that he had, uh, he de- that Kyle did not point a gun to him until he pulled out his gun and pointed it to, and actually a witness said he pointed it to Kyle's head. So Kyle shot him in self defense. And Groys, uh, of course, got on the a stand and uh, uh, the, the, the defense attorney tried to, I've pre- 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 got so many words this morning, got to slow down. The defense attorney tried to paint these guys as heroes, that they were the real medics. They were try- They're just trying to help people. Well, that, of course, is not true. And, um, in fact, I just this is from the Daily Mail. I'll just read this a little bit to you. Uh, Gage Grosskreutz has a, trim- a very interesting past. I think he's—I uh, don't know if he ever confessed to being part of Antifa, but certainly part of Antifa— and also part of a revolutionary group. He did admit on the stage that he had spoken to this large communist revolutionary group and said something like, uh, long live the revolution. Uh, He did admit to that. He's 28 years old. Now the Daily Mail has learned that he is a violent violent career criminal uh, with a laundry list of prior offenses and convictions stretching back more than a decade, including domestic abuse, prowling, trespass, felony burglary uh a fire carrying a firearm or intoxicated and all kinds of stuff um there's a whole laundry list so he was no hero uh, but that's what the defense uh presented and they presented a lot of other things too i i find it interesting to me the prosecution what what's interesting to me is you know in a court of law we all know that the witnesses come in and they used to place their hand on a bible and raise their right hand but we're not allowed to do that anymore cuz heaven knows Uh, We, uh, you know, we can't acknowledge God, the God of our fathers in the courtroom anymore. But still, they raise their right hand, and they swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help them. Uh, No, they don't say God anymore. (laughs) That's a whole other issue. I remember when that stopped. But um, nevertheless, they are held to truth. And if they lie on the stand, there are penalties of perjury. I have never understood. I will never understand, as long as I live on the rest of this time on earth, why attorneys are not held to the same standard. How is it that defense attorneys or prosecutors can get into that courtroom and lie and lie and lie? The prosecution, it was amazing uh, the way they twisted and the way they lied about the facts. They put uh, these two brothers who own this car car dealership that Kyle said he came uh, to defend. uh, That In part, Kyle's grandfather or father lived in um, Kenosha And so Kyle had spent a lot of time in Kenosha, very involved. And so um, uh, even they kept saying he came over state lines. In other words, he was not involved, but his father lived there. So uh, they lied about so many things in that case, and they they painted these victims as uh, heroes when they were not. Uh, I remember Rosenbaum's past, like his rape past, his convictions for child rape was not allowed as evidence. I mean, that's a whole different issue. That's probably the judge's decision uh, but I'm just telling you, uh, the, the truth did not, uh, from the prosecution, was so distorted. There was no truth. And why Why can prosecutors, in this case, this is who it was in this trial, why can they uh, lie with impunity while witnesses have to swear to tell the truth? Why doesn't everyone in the courtroom, everyone who has an official position, who makes a public statement, why are they not held uh, to the truth. I just don't understand why attorneys now are not prosecuted for lying. I mean, and they, they should be. In fact, there's been some discussion about that. I don't know if it will ever happen. Uh, there's another little bit of this story. I found, this is just a, an aside, close to the end of a story I read, that the Wisconsin National Guard troops were stationed uh, earlier this week about 60 miles outside of Kenosha in case there were riots. Well, uh, they were planning they thought there would be riots right after the decision they thought there would be riots over the weekend they had scheduled some sort of a demonstration at two yesterday and really it was uh it was you know it was American protesting you know so that's okay uh, they don't agree with the verdict they have every right to go out in March uh, but there were no riots and um it makes it does make me wonder if there is a connection between uh, what happened and uh in Kenosha, uh, in Kenosha, and then what happened in uh, Waukesha last night. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. I'll (laughs) give you an example. Mary Lemanski is a Democrat from DuPage County in Illinois. That's my old stomping ground. Used to be very conservative, and now the left has taken it over. Mary, according to just some research people, this is Fox, they think she is a, a staffer for the Democrats in DuPage County. I can't confirm that. And I don't, but she also says she works at Second City or she dabbles at Second City as a, a comedian. And so she tweeted, uh, as a, she said, it was probably just self defense. Hashtag Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, and then she wrote, I'm sure he didn't want to hurt anyone. He just came to help people. And then she wrote, the blood of Kyle Rittenhouse's victims is on the hands of Wisconsin citizens, even the children. Okay, so uh, that's one person, one Democrat who said that, and that does make a link, which I think is not uh, unreasonable. The other part is that even though Kyle was acquitted, of all counts, um, on Friday, that did not stop the media from um, completely distorting. I will give you an example of this before we listen to his defense attorney. This was, uh, let's see, I'll just give you an idea of the media first. CBS faced the nation on Sunday. The reporter Mark Strassman falsely said that Rittenhouse drove in from Illinois armed for battle. On CNN's Cuomo primetime Friday, Harvard University professor Cornell William Brooks falsely said that Rittenhouse was carrying an AK-47. It was an AR-15, very different. The Independent, that's a print media or online, falsely reported that Rittenhouse shot three black men. Of course, all the men that he shot were white. Kyle was white. Kyle was not there to protest against Black Lives Matter. He was there to be a medic. He was there earlier in the day trying to paint graffiti, uh, cover up graffiti with paint. He was there to help. He was 17 years old. Um, and so, uh, so, so, there was also all, uh, ESPN's Jalen and ABC's Terry Moran, uh, said that um, the black man who was the subject of this these riots in Kenosha, Jacob Blake, I think his name is, uh, was unarmed and was killed. Well, he was not killed. He is paralyzed. He was shot by a policeman because he wielded a gun. He was at his, I believe, I believe it was his former girlfriend's house, and she alleges he was trying to, uh, that he was there was sexual abuse going on. I don't know what that was all about. And also that he was trying to kidnap her children. So that's, that's why the police officer got off, and a, the, that's what started all this. And then the riots just, well, they were horrific. They did, what, $50 million worth of damage to Kenosha? And you should see the videos if you haven't. Uh, I've seen some recent videos. I remember watching it at the time. There's one in particular of a store owner who was trying to protect his store, and the mob came and just beat him mercilessly. And then as they back off, you just see his lifeless figure. You, just, you know, his arm is awry. Everything out, just, just lying, like gangling on the ground, lifeless, just beaten. I don't know if he lived or not. He must have. We would have heard about a death. But meanwhile, of course, the politicians have done the same thing. They've piled it on. But I, I want to stop for a second because I want to make our point. Mark uh, Rich, who was the attorney for Kyle... That one of the defense attorneys, uh, did such a great job. I felt he was um, like the everyman attorney. He was like typical Wisconsin, you know, that's so close to where we lived for years, Chicago, uh, and we have lots of family and friends there. So we know it well. My husband's father was from Wisconsin. He's a Packers fan. Uh, so these are these are people that I know well. Mark Rich is that, that, that manly kind of guy that comes out of that uh, that Packer fan guy, Uh, who speaks plainly, who doesn't care about being on camera, who's not trying to, you know, impress anyone, very plain spoken. He was interviewed. He did a great interview. I wish I could play the whole thing after it. Uh, But he said some interesting things. And I want you to listen to just a portion of it. This is Mark Richards. Let's listen.
2: Much of the coverage at the beginning was wrong. The trial proved that. But just in the last two weeks, you know, people might not believe this, but I watch MSNBC, CNN. I'm not a big Fox guy. And, you know, when I hear Joe Scarborough saying that my client shot his gun 60 times, that's wrong. When I hear some, you know, guest host on the Joy Reid say that my client drove four hours to go to a riot with his AR, that's wrong. It's false. And it makes me angry that they can't take the time to at least get the generic basic facts correct. And, because it didn't fit in the story that they wanted to tell.
1: Yeah. So Mark Richards, and the the interesting thing in that too, a a point that I think needs to be made, uh, Mark himself, confessed there, confessed, that's a proper word, told us that he's not a conservative. You know, I'm not a Fox person. I watch MSNBC and CNN. Uh, I just think that's interesting. And then Kyle himself uh, in an excerpt from an interview he's doing tonight with Tucker Carlson said uh, that he, he supports black lives matter. So it's a little bit against the narrative where uh, even the president of the United States, Joe Biden, accused Kyle of being a white supremacist early on while he was campaigning for president. By the way, there's discussion of Kyle suing the president for defamation and all the other people, the media, uh, and that's going to get interesting, no doubt about it. Uh, he can't sue the president while he's a sitting president, we don't think, although that didn't stop them from suing uh, President Trump. Uh, but um, that's that's a serious consideration I think they have. But um, the reason I mention uh, the the, the ledge, whatever we might assume, the political views of Kyle and his attorney, we don't know. We don't know if Kyle, we don't know what his views are. Maybe we'll know more after he talks to, uh, to Tucker tonight, uh, but it really was never political for them. And that's good. You know, that's a good thing. It doesn't bother me to hear the attorney say he's not a Fox News watcher, that he watches. It doesn't bother me because the truth is he's a man who loves the truth, and I'm happy about that. He may be discovering some things that he'd never noticed before. Uh, after watching CNN and MSNBC. So this is a time for truth and revelation. I think that the trial, to me, was an example, which was refreshing. I have not seen America, the American justice system work well in such a long time. I had really become a cynic. Uh, the jury system is tainted. People that are productive and have careers don't usually serve. So you usually get a jury pool of people that are, and this is there are exceptions. So don't I'm, I'm sure I'm offending some people by saying this, but for the most part, the jury pool is not a, a group of critical critical thinking people, uh, and so um, we've had we've had a problem with juries. Just uh, they don't they don't represent the best in thinking, uh, and then one of the things that the attorney said, with the the in fact he actually said these are critical thinkers. The, this jury, I thought that was interesting. The judge did not play to the camera. It was just the Plano, Wisconsin judge. No nonsense. It was refreshing, and so uh, we actually saw American justice uh, on display. Um, so now they're going to bring civil suits. The Justice Department wants to move uh, the chairman of the ju- Judiciary Committee in the House. Uh, what's his name? I can't. Names don't come to me quickly. Nadler uh, is uh, wanting the Justice Department to look into this and bring additional charges against Kyle, and No doubt they will. You know, no doubt they will. This is a fight. We are in a battle for the life of this country. And it's. Uh, we just won a few battles last week. Uh, but uh, it's not going away. The left is going to double down and fight harder. So don't you dare give up. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: One of the most controversial topics in Christianity today is homosexuality. The Bible is clear about it, but the world has been relentless in its attempts to shift our views, and that's caused confusion and increased pressure to bow to the culture. In his Engage magazine article, Homosexuality Comes to the Church, Standing Firm in a Culture that Embraces Chaos, M.D. Perkins Gives Scripture to Dispel the Lies of the World. Sign up for your complimentary copy today at EngageMagazine.net. and sign up for our daily news brief at afn.net. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A friend of mine who pastors a church in Nigeria once said to me, you know, America has sent more missionaries into the world than any other nation before it. But the nation that once sent missionaries has now become the mission field. As you consider the calling God has for you, I just want to remind you that just as other nations need missionaries, we need missionaries in America, too. There are a lot of neighborhoods right here in our country that desperately need evangelism and discipleship. Let's not forget about them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner. Or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
5: Here's a story filled with both tragedy and hope hey it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International and Amelia was raised in South Africa very tragically witnessed the murder suicide of her own mother and father the father a raging alcoholic would kill the mother before turning the gun on himself this sent all the siblings in different directions Amelia ended up with an aunt who did not love her in fact forced her into human trafficking and she would go on to be assaulted by men who never were prosecuted for the crime Amelia lived with bitter unforgiveness for many years until a Bible League volunteer, introduced her to Jesus, and trained her to share Christ with others, and would you know what 120 Christians have looked upon Amelia, and they say, what, I want Jesus, and I tell you what, they live where Bibles are non-existent, so we're asking you today, would you step into the stories of these 120 Christians and others around the world who need the Bible at only $5? Make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD, 800 Y E S W O R D, 800-YES-WORD, or give at sendbiblesnow.org.
0: This is Frank Kefney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission was established by Congress to provide a second opinion on official estimates of the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party. Its work has never been more needed because the threat has never been greater. For example, the U.S.-China Commission just called fresh attention to an aspect of the bilateral relationship about which one of its past chairman, financial warfare expert Roger Robinson, has long warned, namely, the fact that we are underwriting these Chinese communists' unrestricted warfare against us. According to Mr. Robinson, the CCP has over 5,000 companies garnering investment dollars from American pension systems, index funds, and other U.S. capital market sources. By some estimates, the total amount transferred to our mortal enemy has been $7 trillion. We literally cannot afford to continue such strategic insanity. Every American should invest patriotically instead. This is Frank Geffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
5: The floor is well,
1: there she is. The yeas are 220. The nays are 213. The Build Back Better Bill is passed. Yeah. So, and then they go on and cheer and cheer and cheer. That happened on Friday. Uh, the Build Back Better Bill. They always have such great names. You know, it's just for you. They're only thinking of you. It's a. Uh, they're estimating that the cost of this bill will be. I've heard estimates as high as seven trillion. Now, of course, that's not what they're saying. Uh, but it's everything that it finances every. Uh, wicked leftist dream, you can imagine, from the Green New Deal uh, to uh, money for immigrant, illegal immigrants to uh, you know more taxes for you to bankrupting the government uh, fast, putting us into more inflation. It's a dream bill. I mean, really, that's why all the cheering of the Democrats, because it's, it's uh, sure uh, to destroy the country faster. And I guess that's why they're so happy. Now, it has to pass in the Senate. I think it'll—I'm guessing— It'll be gaveled in this morning. I'm not sure. I, I didn't get a chance to look at that, but I think they'll probably take it up this morning, maybe, or Tuesday. No, what am I thinking? The Senate will be—they <laughs> don't work during Thanksgiving. Oh, no, those, those, the gentlemen of uh, the 50 states do not work, uh, Most gentle, most of them gentlemen do not work during Thanksgiving, so they won't be voting on it this week. Uh, so that gives us some time to fight back. So we'll talk about it more later, but that's what happened. Meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy did an, a marathon, 8 hours and 33 minutes on the floor. He wasn't planning on doing that. He's the, he's the um, minority leader in the House, and uh, I don't usually give Kevin props, but he deserves props on this for sure. Let's listen to just a little bit of it, clip 10.
4: Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I want to
0: thank um, Mr. Brady for his work, Mr. Speaker, we are minutes away from voting on a $5 trillion, more than 2,000-page bill. The House is not in order, Mr. Speaker. Spend.
2: Gentlemen's recognized.
0: A bill that the White House Chief of Staff recently bragged is twice as big in real dollars as the New Deal was. Mr. Speaker, I just listened to Congressman Neal to build up the institutions. I've heard that in a lot of different countries, countries that are a different philosophy than America.
1: Let that sink in for one minute. Mr. Mr. Speaker, the House is not in order.
3: I'm going to suspend.
1: All right. So I'm going to stop. It goes on and on. I mean, uh, and he did, he did look good for him. That was not, that's the longest anyone's ever spoken on the House floor, eight hours and 33 minutes. And he did not plan to do that. He said his original speech was like 45 minutes. And he uh, is accusing uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of heckling and interrupting. And I don't know the inside story on that. Today I will. I'm sure I'll have lots of information in my inbox about that. But uh, it was just a, just, you know, can you imagine how horrible it is to be serving in that house right now uh, as a conservative, as someone who loves this country. Almost unbearable. So uh, we need to pray for them, uh, pray for them, and uh, help the good ones in any way that we can. And so hats off to Kevin for doing that. That was no easy thing. Well, meanwhile, across the globe, Australia is finding themselves in the most untenable predicament. And I'll give you an example. This is a uh, this is the Queensland president of the American of their medical association, and I want you to hear what he has to say about what lies in store for the unvaccinated in Australia. Let's listen.
3: This smart play um, from the premier. There's no doubt about it um, that, that you have to try and uh, get people um, to lose something in order to get something. <laughs> um, and, and, and look, there are yes. going to be dramas, yep. I'm sure, especially around the Gold Coast area. But there's only yep. really one decision for people to make. Yep. Oh, they're crazy not to get vaccinated. Life will be miserable without being vaccinated. You won't be able to get any... uh, You won't be able to hide. You won't be able to get uh, a doctor to sign off uh, that you got an exclusion because there's quite set rules on that and doctors will be audited to see... Every one of their exclusions will be looked at very Mm -hmm. carefully. They'll get fined. They can get struck off. Uh, The patients who tell lies can be charged with fraud. There's a whole pile of issues whole pile of uh, problems if you try and get around the system mm. uh, it's going to be very hard to maintain your employment if you're not vaccinated mm. uh, you won't mm. be able to go anywhere for any entertainment uh, so by all means get vaccinated you've got another week where you can get double vaccinated before the 15th the 17th of december when it's definitely coming in and there'll be there'll be proof that you've been vaccinated firm proof you'll be asked to show going into most venues so get vaccinated, otherwise you're going to have a very, very lonely life and you're not going to be able to maintain your employment.
1: Yeah, That's unbelievable. And so you probably think that the people of Australia are, you know, just sitting back and taking it, but it's absolutely not true. I've got tons of video. I've played some for you already, but there are a lot from this weekend where countries all over Europe, and Australia including one in Perth, one in uh, Sydney, Thousands and thousands of thousands of people in the street uh, fighting back, uh, also erupting in Europe. I'll give you some of the, street, some of the streets, <laughs> some of the countries, the Netherlands. Uh, there are all kinds of um, resistance, and they're not just small. I mean, we're talking about thousands of people in the streets. The Austrian government, uh, is uh, there's a ton of protests going on there. The Netherlands, Ireland, uh, Croatia. I saw the video of Croatia. It was amazing. France, the UK, Italy. I uh, just, uh, and if we had time, we would play some of those. Maybe we will tomorrow. Uh, but people are fighting back, Italy especially, which is just amazing to watch those thousands of people in the street. And so, what does that mean to us? Well, a couple of things I want to tell you because lots of things happened while I was gone. One of those things was that the Fifth Circuit Court uh, decided to continue the stay, meaning the, MA- the uh, OSHA, led by Joe Biden, the, the ordered uh, the order that says that companies that have employees of a hundred or more must make their p- employees get vaccinated, the Fifth Circuit Court stayed that uh, order. What I'd say a week ago, time passes so fast. Uh, no, maybe a little bit more than a week ago. And then they, uh, the the government, you know, uh, went back to court, and the Fifth Circuit came back pounding like a absolutely not. Uh, we will not reinstate that until further hearing. And so there was a lottery. To determine which circuit court will be hearing all of these mandate cases, and it came down to the sixth. Now I hear that there's that's a mixed bag. The sixth court is better than, say, the ninth circuit in San Francisco, uh, but it's not as good as a fifth. So really, we don't know what's going to happen with that. But it's it's uh it's okay at least it's hopeful. Let's just say it's hopeful that there will be there will be a decision that will be decisions plural uh, that will be. Uh, come down and comport with the freedom that the freedom that this country and its people deserve, the freedom of choice to make decisions over the autonomy of their own bodies, whether to take something inside their body that they're concerned about or not. They should be able to decide and not have to choose between earning a living and feeding their family and that shot, which they don't know what's going to happen. And uh, so OSHA, uh, in response to that, has suspended that vaccine rule, but the uh, White House is still telling businesses, oh, no, no, go ahead. Uh, go ahead because you remember uh, President Biden is very excited that his mandates were working. he's so he's just so excited about these that they're working, they're working. he said, uh, we are uh, able when we force people, we extort them and we tell them they can't work uh, like the Australian um, uh, Medical association president a few minutes ago when we tell them they can't go anywhere, they can't do anything, they can't work, they can't feed their families. it works. They take the vaccine, go figure. And President Biden's very proud of that. And by the way, so uh, what did Florida do? Well, Governor DeSantis last weekend, I believe it was Friday, might have been Thursday, went to, of all places, Brandon, Florida, and did a press conference. Let's go, Brandon, was the inevitable theme, although they didn't say that. They just met in Brandon, Florida, and he announced uh, that they are taking an aim at the Biden vaccine mandates, uh, and they are—this is what their bill says— It's uh, the bill, it's a limit vaccine in Florida, limit vaccine mandates for public and private employees in Florida. Uh, uh, Senate Bill 1 seeks to ban private sector employees from requiring their employers, from requiring their employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19 unless they allow at least five specific exemptions to the mandate, including medical, religious, and immunity from prior COVID-19 infection. And additionally, The bill would allow employees to opt out of vaccine mandates if they agree to be tested regularly, which the worker would not be financially liable for. And if they agree to use employer-provided personal protective equipment, the bill would also forbid employers in the government and public education sector from mandating COVID-19 vaccines. So there you go from Brandon, Florida, kind of a blow to the Biden uh, victory over mandates, at least for now. And we celebrate those victories when we can get them, don't we? Meanwhile, the FDA has authorized Moderna and, uh, let's see, Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine boosters for all adults. You know, if we have to hurry now. Everybody must be vaccinated because, well, let's see. I saw two very fascinating interviews over the weekend, and uh, I wasn't going to join Fox Nation. I resented. resented. I resisted for months and I finally joined because of Tucker's work on the January 6th protesters. Uh, he did three uh, d- d- uh, segment uh, segments of that. And so I'm going to I'm going to suggest to you that you join. I really am because um uh, in addition to that, Scott Atlas was on Scott is one of my heroes in this. He's the was the latecomer to the president's uh council that Mike Pence led where we are you know, it was uh Dr. Fauci and uh, Deborah Burks and uh, Robert Redfield from um, the CDC. And they were the trifecta. And then in, I think, last August, Scott Atlas was added. Scott was from Northern California. He's from Chicago, and I maybe that's why I like him. <laughs> but he's just another plain-spoken Midwestern guy. No nonsense. And uh, he tells the story to Tucker in this interview about the first time he went in to be part of this uh, meeting, of this uh, council with uh, President Pence, presiding in this private room, and he said uh, he was just astonished with the things that Fauci and Berks and Redfield and others, whose names are not so familiar, were saying. He said none of it was based on science. They didn't bring any studies. They did not debate with each other, which is what we always do in medical circles. He said there was no intellectual rigor. They were just uh, Nothing that they said made sense, and he said, I just didn't want to say anything, and so finally President, Vice President Pence looked at me, and he said, so what do you think? Uh, and he said we we ask you, Dr. Atlas, to come here to give us your opinion. So what is your opinion?" And so Dr. Atlas basically said, Well, this is all nonsense there's there's no truth to anything you just said. And bam, then he was off to the races. So he served on that uh, committee or uh, commission not very long because he was not having it. and of course, you remember when they did press briefings. Uh, they would, uh, the press then started attacking Scott Atlas, and they tried to get him outed at at his university, Stanford, in California. There's a lot to that story, but a couple of things I want to share with you. It's fascinating. Um, He talked about how, um, actually, this goes to another interview that Tucker did, and this one was with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. I'm actually hoping to get him on the air to talk to him, because he's been working I would never have done this because uh, I just have never been philosophically aligned with Kennedy's. And I just, so I would not spend my valuable hour talking to them about anything. But I was so impressed with Robert Kennedy Jr. I can't tell you his intellect, his uh, intellect, his recall of everything about vaccines, the history of the FDA, the CDC, his uncles, uh, he said, and reminded us of Teddy Kennedy and John F. Kennedy, uh, you know, they were part of... Uh, codifying and establishing these agencies, and he talks about the corruption. He said the CDC alone gets nearly half of their funding from uh, vaccine manufacturers. He said this is all about vaccines, and he talked about how in 2010, Dr. Fauci met with Bill Gates, and Bill Gates announced to him that he wants to vaccinate the entire planet, the whole globe. And he called it, he had a name for it that that Bill Gates called himself as something like Philanthropic capitalism. In other words, it's something that you do kind of, you want to help people, right? But you're also getting very rich, which is exactly what's happening with Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci, because he goes on to say that Anthony Fauci has the uh, patents, holds the patent. He and uh, I think three other members close to him at the NIH uh, own patents on the Moderna vaccine. And of course, they're making money hand over fist. So this is just, it is corruption, corruption, corruption. And it's killing people and injuring people and forcing and also changing the entire American way of thinking, undermining our Bill of Rights, our Constitution. It has to stop. And the only way it can stop is for us to stand and say, no, 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 we are not having it. And uh, as the people in Europe are marching, it may come to that for us. We haven't done that yet much. Uh, There have been uh, some in New York, some in Chicago, but uh, we, it may come to that for all of us, uh, they have really felt the hot breath of this more closely in these European countries and in Australia, uh, but it's coming for us. And um, one of the things that Scott Atlas said is, where's the fight of all those New York City tough guys, why didn't they stand up, why am I those Chicago people that I've known all my life who've been so tough, where were they when this all came down, why didn't they fight back? And that's a really good question that we have to ask ourselves, but I would say it's never too late. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.